Boardwalk Times Multiverse of Marvel is a podcast where we discuss the latest Marvel TV episodes as they are released on Disney+. This is your spoiler alert. Welcome to Living Loki, our official Loki after show podcast. I'm Zach Perlstein, the editor-in-chief of the Boardwalk Times. Today, I am joined by the co-host of the Lights Thunder Action podcast and a writer and editor at The Direct, John Ross Bradford. JRB, welcome back to the pod. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I am stoked to be back talking about probably my favorite show that Marvel has done. I think I think this episode is starting to cement that. A hundred percent. And I just want to get your thoughts real quick on this episode overall, because I mean, last week was a pretty stellar start and now it's like kind of building. Indeed. It's building itself up. I would say like, would is this too of a hot take for me? But is it? I feel like Loki has always gone at a slower pace than other MCU television shows. So it's Agreed. like, I feel like these first couple episodes are going to be very character development driven, but then the home stretch is going to be like bonkers. Like, do yeah, you feel the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. They do a great job of really slowing down the pace of the episode to, to make the tension rise. But then they get right back into the action of it. So like it it does a really good job of of taking its time telling its story. Um, I thought this episode specifically, we'll get into it more in a minute. But um, yeah, no, they they have a, a very uh, clear idea of how each episode's supposed to go. And I, I think they execute it super well, um, but they take their time doing it and uh, you really get to soak it in. A hundred percent. And if we were like doing a star rating for this episode, what would you give it? Like if we were doing like a letterbox style mm, rating, you know, I love letterbox. Yeah. Letterbox um, is great. I, I would probably give this episode a solid. It, it's either four or four and a half stars for me. I, I think it did its job extremely well. I, I have to agree with you there. I, I would give it a four. I would give it a four. I, because I, I'm leaving it. I'm leaving room for the five mm. you know, or like the 4.75 right. exactly. start like you know that really like high yeah like you don't want to start, start too high if we start getting into the decimals um hoping that you know this show <laughs> can really like blow us away right right yeah no i i, I think four out of five is good because like I, I mean i think probably last season there was at least one five-star episode like they they are this show consistently bats at such a high percentage you know like it 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 doesn't miss so like even saying that this is missing a star isn't saying that it's bad it's just saying like yo it can do even better i yeah i think when it comes to grading like these marvel shows you have to leave like the room for improvement because i feel mm -hmm. like we've been blown away so many times with the movies and even within the disney plus era with stellar moments that i think you can't just give everything a five or at least for me, I think once we've started doing these star ratings that mm -hmm. like, I'm like, I gotta keep things in check, but four is an excellent rating. I mean, right now, uh, Loki is a four star show for me through the first two episodes could, could rise a bit. Obviously I am more waiting to see things hit the fan essentially. Right. I mean, right. this episode was very, character driven i would say there was still a lot of like massive uh plot ramifications here i mean we still have sure renslayer is missing miss minutes is missing the temporal loom 
has become a ticking time bomb, which I don't know if you're not paying attention. I don't know if people are realizing there is a lot of like little things they're like breadcrumbs they're setting up for right something right. massive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I I really liked and I'll say this before I say anything else about the episode. It it really felt like actual television to me you know like I, I feel like yeah especially with the recent news we've had of daredevil getting a total overhaul and all the disney plus shows you know being rethought out um i this show feels like marvel's first real response to how their shows have been critiqued lately it doesn't feel like this was you know part two of six of a really chopped up movie that they made into a miniseries like this felt like an episode of television that had its own very well thought out story and uh i and like you said, it was very character driven. You know, this was definitely an episode where we were getting to learn about where these characters are in their journey right now. You know, we had very serious mo moments with Loki, Mobius and Sylvie, um, as well as B-15. Um, and uh, it, those are four four of the most core characters to this. My only complaint is that we we I feel like Kang wasn't nearly as present in this or he who remains as he was in the first episode. But this show has done, you know, such a great job of of really segmenting these episodes where they feel like they're their own stories. And that's what the television side of, of Marvel should feel like, you know? Um, and the first season was great at that too. Uh, but yeah, the, there's so many different little pieces that they're working into that. And that's why I think the show is so well thought out is because while these separate stories are all taking place, they're still all being pulled back to that main narrative that was set up in that first episode, you know, that temporal loom. What's going on with it? What is Ouroboros working on? You know, how it does he even know how to actually fix it? Or is he just giving it his best shot and hoping for the best? You know, it seems like all of that is up in the air, but it it seems like it's in the background. You know, it, it seems like it's very secondary to what's happening. It definitely feels like Loki. And this goes to piggyback off of your point about it feeling like a television structure is that the A plot currently has been the Sylvie the Sylvie situation, I'll call it. And then the mm -hmm. B plot is Ouroboros trying to figure out this temporal loom. Because right. I think they're doing like these, like an A plot and a B plot, like that's like a television, like 101 thing. And I do right. think it is quite interesting that Loki feels the most like television since I would say She-Hulk, because She-Hulk had at least like nine episodes and there was an actual like showrunner behind it but i do think marvel's tv future is going to be extremely bright because they're going to follow the actual tv tv yes. standards and practices but i do think marvel fans will now have to get used to tv budgets as well because <laughs> i don't like like that's a thing that i i've been seeing like online where everyone's like oh well it's gonna be great because now they're gonna be able to do you know, a 16 episodes of this or like, you know, mm -hmm. 20 mm -hmm. episodes of that. And I'm like, they ain't doing that. Or like, it's not going to be, <laughs> it's not going to be balls to the wall all the time. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, if they reinvent this uh, or like refix their television strategy, they're not going to be going as nuts as some of these like six episode events go. So I'm just curious, like with like Loki season two, which I'm assuming Loki season two, I'm pretty confident is going to lead into Loki season three. Yeah, I, I, I'd be surprised if they find a way to cap this story off in 
Uh, are we doing six episodes this season as well? Yeah, it's still six episodes. It's still six episodes yeah, no, this I, season because I think I that was just kind of the norm, you know, when this was started. Yeah, no, see, I see. I I think you're right for several reasons. First of all, this this story is far from over. Uh, just as season one really just felt like it was cracking open the story. I don't think season two is going to close it. Um, but also, I don't know where else Loki fits right now in the MCU. I know they could find a way to shoehorn him in somewhere, but I, I, he doesn't fit naturally anywhere right now, especially with the weird direction they've taken with Thor. The it, His own show makes the most sense. And um, as much as, you know, the MCU loves him and, and how much they love using him, the fans love him and they're, they're not going to stop, you know. So, I mean, I, I think you're right. This show's going to keep going, especially with the quality that it has right now, how strong the first season was and how consistent these two episodes have been in trying to maintain that same quality. Uh, yeah, no, Loki, I think, is here to stay. I think so, too. And I actually have a hot take. I think if we're not counting the Quantumania post-credit scene, which was of Loki and Mobius seeing Victor Timely. If we don't count that, I actually think they're going to save Loki. He's not going to appear in an MCU film proper until King Dynasty, if that's mm. still the plan. I mean, sure. obviously things can change, but I do think similar to how like Wakanda played a huge role in Infinity War, I think the TVA is going to be that in King Dynasty. I really do. I think that's where our heroes are going to meet. That's where the crossover is going to occur. I think Loki and Sylvie are going to be the ones heralding the heroes together, similar to how Hulk and Doctor Strange did the same thing in Infinity War. That's at least like my early predictions for King Dynasty. You know what? I, I love that theory because uh, Marvel just finished a really cool Avengers run where Loki was revealed to be this Avenger Prime character who was literally traversing the multiverse and recruiting all of these multiversal Avengers to go up against uh, the masters of um, names escaping me, but basically a, a huge supervillain group. Um, and it, it was Loki and they called him Avenger prime. Cause he was the one doing all of that. It would be really cool to see if that's like actually foreshadowing for what Marvel studios wants to do with their movies. And, you know, Loki ends up finally redeeming himself, you know, cause he's always losing. He's always a loser. This yeah. episode leaned into that so hard, just like the first season did. And it it's really it's did. still showing that, you know, there's still doubters. There's still haters on this Loki train. And uh, no, I I, I, that, I think that's just further proof that they're going to have more to prove with him. And he's going to have, you know, that that ultimate redeeming uh, moment as like an Avenger. I think it's almost a guarantee. I just think we're still ways away from Kang Dynasty. So that's why I'm like, okay, Loki season three, that kind of gives them a cushion. You know, plenty mm -hmm. of stories left to tell with this timeline. And, you know, obviously we have these branches, which I need your thoughts, JRB, because I don't really understand the bombing of the branches. I understand mm. why, like, I understand like partially why they're bombing the branches, but from a like MCU at large standpoint, we're yeah. in the multiverse saga. It feels super confusing to have the kind of the biggest moment in Loki uh, season one kind of be minimized already. Unless totally. they're going to uh, pull the rug from underneath us in episode three and four and reveal that that didn't work or something. Right. I don't know. I just still remember that iconic image at the end of season one where we thought the branches were out of control and then we're like, oh, wow, they're really out of control and like everything's spiraling. Mm -hmm. And so just to have the branches branches bombed, I was like, what's going on? 
Right. No, I, I'm totally with you. I, I feel like, you know, the whole climax of season one was when, you know, the sacred timeline had been broken and all of these branches started to form and they reached that red line, you know, and the TVA swore that once the branches reach that red line, things go critical, you know, and there's no turning back and things can get really nasty. Well, they've gone way past that point. And by the time that the TVA goes and bombs all these branches, they've gone way out of control. So, I mean, at this point, the way I'm interpreting that is those branches, I have to see them as, you know, more as bridges. You know, there there are other timelines, other multiverse components that are also existing now. And those are just the branches that you had to prune to to keep from getting to those places, you know, because that's how that's how he who remains described it was those are basically access points for other universes to to intersect with the sacred timeline, you know? So like my, my only concern is like, the, and this is why the episode kind of lost that star for me is because it, with like 10 minutes left, maybe they kind of shoehorned that in. We're like, Oh, we're going to bomb all the branches. And I was like, Oh, that's not gonna, they're not going to do that. And then, then you, they walk in on them actually doing it. And like, they got a lot of them and you see B 15. She's like, they're killing people by the billions right now. And it just, it, it seemed so they were like just in this weird warehouse. And I think this is kind of what you were saying about how we're going to have to start getting used to like TV budgets, you know, yeah. like there was that, that part seemed really thrown together, you know, and, and there's a lot about that scene. I didn't like um, specifically the part where B 15s like all oh, this for Sylvie, when you just spent the last season with her, just decimating everyone you threw at her. But I, uh, but also, like, you you said it. They're killing billions of people. And also undoing what basically season one left us off on. So, like, we're in such a weird spot with where those branches are and what, what the timeline even means and what it is at this point. And who knows what kind of effect that's going to have on the loom and what Ouroboros is trying to do. I, I, yeah, I have no idea what that implies. Me either. And I... I'm just struggling with the whole bombing of the branches from the standpoint of it was such a significant moment in the finale of season one. And it really feels like this was thrown in at the end of this episode. And even B-15 being like, oh, they're killing billions. It reminded me of Quantumania when uh, Janet Van Dyne goes, Kang, you know, I saw visions of Kang and Kang was conquering entire worlds killing i don't know if she said billions but like she said some like she said a large number of people mm. and i just my biggest problem is we're not seeing it we're not feeling that kind of terror yet it's where, it's gore the god butcher yeah it's the gore the god butcher issue it's like we're not <laughs> feeling you know somewhere tcr is like shaking his fist at his pod, <laughs> um, because we referenced that but uh there yeah you're right though it's just like what are we like at some point we have to show something and make things feel more critical like i would have even liked like seeing asgard on a branched timeline and we have like younger actors you know, maybe yeah. unknowns playing Thor and Loki, and then they get wiped out and we get to see what does a branch timeline or a bombing of the timeline, what does that look like in real mm -hmm. time? Because the most significant moments in the MCU so far is like when you see someone get snapped, 
and they yeah. fade to dust. Or if you see someone go through Doctor Strange's portal, those are like mm-hmm. the big moments where during the multiverse saga, we haven't had that like kind of like, oh, crap, that's a Kang moment. Like we haven't really had that in my opinion, and they need to figure out like what's that going to be, whether it's like a you start seeing like timelines go nuts or like, well, like what's what's our like clues of Kang essentially. You know what? I think the only one that they're really using right now is uh, is the effect that you see when you prune something when 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 yeah. it escapes time. You know, so I think that's what they're really trying to to nail in is is the effect of pruning something because even after you know Loki and Sylvie got through the void and de- and defeated Eliath and made it to He Who Remains, they're still making it a point that you can and you should be pruning anything and everything that's not on the sacred timeline um and so i mean i still see that as kang's you know main weapon of choice because he he has weaponized the tva to do that and uh those bombs that they were holding that's exactly what those were they're the same charges that you would plant in the season one um events where they would go on a branch timelines and prune it before it got too bad they would just set off a temporal charge and they would leave and so I, I assume that's what they were doing here is they were just jumping in, dropping a charge, leaving, and then just, you know, rinse and repeat and just keep doing that in on different branches. Because once you drop one of those charges, I, if I'm not mistaken, it doesn't stop until it consumes basically everything. Um, so, I mean, uh, that to me, we saw it so many different times in season one of them visiting different timelines and and either preventing or witnessing the pruning you know and yeah we felt like we felt like we were a part of that but now it seems like more of a thing of the past and it's something we're just supposed to accept and i feel like like you said that should still be a really driving point of this of this uh series is is just like with the snap and the fading away that you saw in infinity war and we had to sit with for a full year you got to see iron man do it right back to him and then you got the satisfaction of seeing Thanos eat, uh, get a taste of his own medicine when he got snapped away. You know, the same effect, very recognizable. Um, and the portals, same scene, same effect, you know? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, even the Bifrost, you know, there are definitely very recognizable things. And if you're going to do something like pruning outside of a Loki show, you have to have that sort of effect attached to it, or the viewer might not even catch on to what's happening, you know? And so like that would be like doing the infinity snap in a Loki series and, and then not or following up on it in like a, a future movie, you know, without having the same effect. It just, it it's missing something. And I, I feel like this episode was missing Kang altogether. Like the first episode did such a good job of kind of feeling like he was looming and kind of still watching and, and knowing what was happening. And that, that felt more absent in this one. And I feel like they've got to keep driving that if they want to make him, you know, that big bad by the time it comes to the Avengers movies where he's supposed to be the main guy. Yeah, if they want King to be the guy, they have to keep hammering him home. I mean, they have to keep making him this big threat. And my biggest thing with King right now in this series is he captured all these people and put them in the TVA. And I'm I'm curious about like Mobius's life on the sacred timeline. Because I'm assuming Mobius came from the regular Infinity Saga era, but it's like I'm also confused on how time works because they made the they made it seem like the TVA has existed for like hundreds and hundreds of years, 
but everyone mm-hmm. he picked from this timeline these i think in season one like renslayer was in a normal high school and stuff so it's yeah like, I, I i yeah that's I'm a good struggling point. on the timeline aspect of this or like like was king just like king just was absent during the infinity saga or like you know it's like well, what was the whole like did he not recruit until the infinity saga like it's just stuff i started to think about when mobius started to go on the whole well i don't want to find out what my life was like because yeah. I'm like, you know i'm like well when did they pick him up or did he actually pick these people up from across time like it's just so that's a like, good question yeah yeah i i'm curious about that because i mean I guess we still don't really know how far into the future Kang was, you know, when all of this happened. Um, because, like, we got to remember, Kang's a normal dude. Like, he he is using technology to do this. Like, he's yes. he has he has elevated to a point where he seems like he's god tier, but like it's all through tech, you know. So, like, when did his tech become advanced enough so that he could start doing this? Because that's really when it all started, you know. And I think that's really crucial because they keep talking about the end of time i i want to know what point in time that multiversal war actually begins because they're, they're always talking about the end but they they're not worried enough about when it all begins because they could already be in it right now that's a big point yeah that could be and that could also be what kang dynasty is as well it could be like the start of their war right like, yeah it could be the precipice of it yeah, I'm very curious to see how they like make that work in the end because it's like I, I, I do. We need Kang more fleshed out. I think absolutely I mean, we because do. he's like from the future. I mean, he is a pretty big backstory that needs to be really touched on. And obviously, there's some outside circumstances that might have us not get that. But I, I think if they're still going you know full steam ahead on king we need more of his story more of this origin to just basically fill us all in because i know everyone's gonna be like well thanos didn't need that but it's like thanos was very easy to understand like Mm -hmm. king on the other hand i think needs more more explanation more work to be done because you know, the MCU has gone bigger. The MCU sprawling now. So, I mean, I think, you know, when you did Thanos, it was Earth and space. Kang, it's Earth, space, different universes, supernatural side. I mean, you have so many. <laughs> all of time. <laughs> yeah, all of time. I mean, you're going to have to explain, you know, how different universes. Like, you have to explain his threat what he right. wants in a better way than you know it's gonna take them a couple titles honestly to really get this yeah through yeah i agree and that's that's why i feel like he they have to be progressing that story in every episode because especially if they're only doing another six there's still so much about him to that we have to unfold and there's not a whole lot of projects that we can expect him to show up in before those Avengers movies come around, you know, like the Loki seems like the place to really develop the character. Yeah. You know, cause we've only, we've only seen him in an Ant-Man movie otherwise. And although they did give him a, a, a great opportunity to kind of flex a little bit, that was really all it was. And I, I feel like there's still more that we need there 
Yeah, and 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 I mean, if we only have four episodes left, you know, like you said, Ravana's Ravana Renslayer is still missing. Uh, Miss Minutes is a wall. Like there, there's so much about that relationship that they're still trying to to kind of unpack that like really makes you wonder like how much we're actually going to know about King by the end of this season, you know? For sure, and I think we're we're almost to the Victor Timely stuff. I think that's going to be our big King. Will be the Victor Very Timely. Exciting. I think that'll be exciting to just see how it's portrayed. Honestly, I'm excited to see how what's this King variance deal and like, how, how does it work? And I'm just going to be very curious to see how it plays into everything. But I do think it'll be interesting to see what does Loki season two do. And is it connected to any other titles? Obviously we're already going on the path of it's going to lead to Loki season three, but do we think Loki season two does a wraparound to quantum mania? Do mm. we think we circle back? I mean, obviously we can talk about the fan response and the critic response to quantum mania, but I don't think it would stop them from circling around because these projects are like made in advance. Oh no, they're not, you know, like they're not going to like pivot things that quick. So, I mean, I would be curious to see if we get a quantum mania circle back or, I would be curious if we go to the future, which is our next big uh, MCU film after the Marvels, which would be Deadpool three. And like, do we kind of, do we kind of maybe make a little tease for that? Because I mean, I think, you know, would be, would be very interesting to see if they would uh, do something there to just be like, Hey, something's coming type, you know, because I think that'd be super cool. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I've loved the theory that, you know, Deadpool will have a run in with the TVA because of all the time jumping he was doing at the end of Deadpool too. Um, I, if, if, if there's any truth to that, I'll be so happy because seeing Ryan Reynolds and, and uh, Owen Wilson together uh, in a Marvel scene um, would be a dream come true. But yeah, no, I mean, if you were saying, you know, Loki wouldn't show up until like a, a, a proper Avengers movie, Deadpool might be the only exception. Um, cause I, I would think that, you know, especially with where they left Deadpool and with all the crazy stuff that it sounds like is going to happen in Deadpool three. Um, yeah, I, I could see the TVA wanting to step in on that. Uh, we, like you said, we were seeing, uh, branches get bombed. Who knows when we'll see that. That might be later. We, yeah. that might be something we see in Deadpool three is, you know, he's running around with Hugh Jackman and all of a sudden a TVA agent jumps in and throws a time charge at him. So uh, that would be even more wild, but uh, we, I, I, there has to be some sort of connection because it's still Loki, just like the TVA. The show still seems very outside of the MCU right now, you know. And you know that might be by design. That might be a little tongue-in-cheek way of them being like, "Oh, this is kind of a separate thing," but it has the biggest implications out of anything on Disney Plus so far. Uh, so I, I think they need to bring it around. I think so too. And I think it it just helps when some of your bigger titles actually set stuff up, even if they're self-contained. I mean, I think there's no harm in throwing some layups to future titles if possible. Yeah. Right. And speaking of like future layups, you know, Sylvie has like King's temp pad at the end of this episode. Oh my gosh. And that's a pretty big oh my gosh. That's a pretty big reveal. I mean, how did unless, we not think about that? I don't know. I don't know how we didn't. <laughs> of course she it. took it, right? You know, it, it makes sense that 
like I don't know why I didn't think about this why I didn't think about this till now, but she kills he who remains. And you have to wonder what happens when we like yes. the camera turns away. Like w- right. what's happening in that scene? Uh did the stuff start collapsing in the citadel at the end of time? I mean, does she right. just Is grab it, even there? it? Like like does she just grab it or like was she just like teleport it somewhere else? I mean, it does make sense that she would grab it. And I would assume that Kang's temp pad has a different level of reach than a regular TVA temp pad. So I'm assuming Kang might be able to even go on branches that might not even be known to TVA. And this might be my Star Wars brain kicking in. But like, I think it could be cool if there is some branches or universes that are undetected by the tva similar to how in star wars sometimes how there's planets like in the outer rims yeah or like something and they're like yeah. oh we like that a secret was hideout like this wasn't on the star map i would love it if there's like undetected timelines and you know maybe that's how secret wars happens maybe you know toby mcguire's timelines undetected maybe uh. <laughs> jackman's timelines undetected and that's yeah. how they get the gang back together i'm just oh, going man. theory crazy tonight i did not expect myself to go to this level from this episode but i don't know stuff's clicking tonight i oh, i love that man i i the the scene at the end with Sylvie uh, holding the ten pad while she was sitting on the truck that really resonated with me. Like, first of all, it just felt like a post credit scene. I really feel like that was supposed to be the scene after the credits, and they were like, "Nah, move it up," just like they used yeah. to do with She Hulk. But um, it that was that was Loki not being able to resist taking the tesseract when they were fleeing the Asgard vault. That that was the exact same behavior. Was she killed King? She accomplished the mission but I'm going to take his temp pad. Yeah. It's it, you know, it, it's just, she couldn't resist it. And now she's dealing with the consequences of it. It's you really are the worst brother. You know, she's trying to have that simple life where she's, she's trying to, to enjoy the the world that she's walked in on in, in the early eighties in Oklahoma, um, working at a McDonald's of all places. Um, but yet she, it's, she's going to be her own demise because she couldn't help but hang on to Kang's tempad. And although she wanted to leave it behind her and she says, there's no way that could be the future because I'm not involved anymore. Of course, she still has this ace up her sleeve because she's a Loki, you know, and that's what they do. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, she's Loki. She's going to keep up to the scheming uh, plans there. And speaking of being Loki, I think one of the highlights of this episode was Loki going through uh chronicling uh, avengers 2012 and referencing like tony stark and how you know he got mad at his brother and father so he decided to just you know take over new york oh my thought, goodness you know, great scene great scene <laughs> oh one of the best lines oh yeah <laughs> that was great that whole interaction where he's talking about you know his history with tony stark felt so comic booky you know just referring to an old run-in with a a, a former foe you know like it was just you know, hashing, rehashing old times. Um, that whole scene was really impressive. And my my wife turned to me and she's like, wow, they're both eating pie, but neither mm. of them are talking with food in their mouth. And I was like, thank you. Finally, a show where you can have a scene where people are eating, but they're not talking with food in their mouth. I, I don't know why, but that's always bugged me. And ever since I pointed it out, now it bugs her too. Um, but that scene in particular... 
you were talking earlier about character growth and character progression and fleshing out, you know, who we've been spending time with both for Loki and Mobius. That scene really stuck out to me because it reminded me of all the times that Mobius and Loki sat down together in season one. But I don't know if it was every time, but I feel like the majority of time they sat together in season one, Loki was on the left and Mobius was on the right. And it was because Mobius was either interrogating him, giving him life advice, showing him the way, or Loki salting and sodaing his salad or, you know, whatever. Um, but this, this time Loki was on the right and he was tending to Mobius's needs while Mobius is kind of having a, uh, existential crisis a little bit, kind of yeah. in denial a little, um, yeah. where you can see Loki's trying to coax it out of him, but like they've totally flipped. And now Mobius is kind of the, the variant in distress, if you will, who's kind of pulled out of time trying to, you know, come to terms with his reality while Loki is the one kind of trying to guide him on that journey. And uh, I I think that speaks volumes to where Loki has ended up as a character so far and, and how, how much better he has become. But I think it also says a lot for his future too, because he's really starting to shape into this leader, this natural leader at the TVA where he's, you know, he's like, how about we go grab a piece of pie? Let's talk about it. You know, and he's, he's kind of taking control of these investigations and these interrogations and, He's saying he doesn't work there, but it sure sounds like they're starting to answer to him and starting to agree with him more and more. And uh, I think that's really exciting. And they're they're communicating that so subtly, and I love it. They are, and it seems like Loki is really gelling, fitting in with the TVA. He also has that like time-slipping thing going on in the background where he's been in the past, he's been in the present, he was in the future. And yeah. I think they solved that for the most part. But yeah, a lot is going on in Loki, but the pie scene was terrific. I think everyone was excited to see how that was going to go since I think one of the first trailers when it was shown the key lime pie, everyone was kind of like oh, yeah. it interested. So decadent. So yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sure they will be selling that in Avengers Campus in no time. But then again, oh, they've no dropped doubt. they've dropped the ball on food stuff with the MCU. There's been a no. lot of MCU food yeah, like it's surprising because they're really good in the parks of getting like the characters in to Avengers Campus. Like, for example, Ouroboros, mm-hmm. he's already in Avengers Campus. Like, oh, wow. Yes. Like they already got someone to portray Ouroboros huh. and, you know, a Loki as the TVA variant. But sure. when it comes to food, for some reason, it's a blind spot, I guess, because I remember when they did the pizza bowls and Multiverse of Madness and I was like, oh, my gosh, this was tailor made for the land this is going to be their like sure big hit. they didn't then, do it like, no they didn't do it and as oh, a disney parks man. guy as a disney parks guy jrb i'm like man they have so many layups sometimes that like yeah that's they, like, tough they reference like so many like things within the mcu that i'm like oh this this could be easy to like transition into the land oh and, man like, really make that hurts. It cool yeah it does and Speaking of it hurting, you know, speaking of it hurts, <laughs> uh, let's let's transition a little bit to the don't overthink it, you know, that line. I think that was oh, something that was... you wanted to highlight. Yeah, you know, I, I was pretty critical of that scene, but when Loki and Sylvie and B-15, you know, find the, the TVA general and, and their, their hideout where they're bombing all these branches, 
uh, Sylvie holds out her hand and looks at Loki. She said, don't overthink it. And Loki grabs her hand. They combine their powers and they create this, this energy force that basically wipes out, you know, the, the whole operation that was, that basically saved the episode for me. Cause during that whole scene, I'm just sitting there like, like what, what's happening? Like what, uh, what? And then all of a sudden I'm like, all right, I'm back in it because that was prime, like sequel television material. You know, there was so much packed into that little moment between like, you had the romantic undertone between Loki and Sylvie. You know, there was a lot going on there that, you know, the viewer really wants to see resolved. Um, you know, but it was all carried over from last season. They really didn't touch on that at all otherwise. And and then, you know, the sharing of powers, that was something, that was a, the climax of episode five. You know, when they were in the void and they were trying to defeat Eliath, you know, Loki and uh, Sylvie basically had to teach Loki how to enchant Eliath. And now, you know, he's walking up to her, they're holding hands, they're doing it so much more naturally. And it just seems like such a natural progression for these two characters and where they've been together. And it just it felt so right for that little moment to happen the way that it did. Um, I'm really loving how these characters are are growing together. Yeah, they really are growing together. And we have such a cast of characters that's really developing, like B15, Casey. You're really getting a true vibe from the Loki cast. And it's exciting mm-hmm. because we have four more episodes. And I'm assuming the action's just going to pick up from here <laughs> and that the storyline is going to get nuttier because, I mean, the first two episodes threw a lot of multiverse TVA yeah. world building at you that I think a lot is going to come back into our faces. I'm just waiting to see how they like pull that off. Man, it, it, I didn't even uh, we haven't even mentioned Casey before now, but him fanboying over meeting Ouroboros um, and having him sign his uh, his employee handbook. Yeah, uh, he's like, here, just sign next to your picture. And then he's like, and then I'll draw mine. <laughs> I thought that was a great moment that uh, that was that was like classic Rick and Morty banter right there. Uh, it I, I really liked how Ouroboros, you know, is is so about this manual that he's written. Um, I'm excited to see how, just how important that manual is going to be. Oh, I think it's going to be pretty important. And I wonder if they're going to end up selling it at some point just because, Ooh. you know, like, why not? Yeah, could interesting. Fun, could be a fun one to do the clues for like the multiple. I want to know saga. why. I want to know why Mobius can't read it. He he seemed to have such a hard time reading. He's like, it's gibberish. And I've, it could have just been a throwaway line to just say that, you know, he can't focus. But like, I wonder if there's more to that because every little detail with Mobius in this episode seemed to mean something. Oh, for sure. Because I think there is a big kind of thing in this episode that I think Mobius might actually know what he was doing on the sacred timeline. Oh, like, now really? that I think about it, I think there there might be something there where like Loki mm. kind of pressed him. And I I I just kind of wonder, you know, I have to wonder he's like he's I like it here. Yeah. So in denial about it that you know, maybe his memory was wiped, but maybe there is something telling him that he did leave something good on the sacred timeline. But man, you know, that will open up a can of worms if we ever get to that point. You know, I think yeah. that's like one of those things where it's like, I don't know if you can, I don't even know if we can visit Mobius's place on the sacred timeline until they decide to end Loki as a show or something. Well, see, that, 
that's the thing is like this show has done such a good job of making you care about all the characters. Like yeah. I, the fact that we want to see Mobius, you know, live out his life and just know about it. Like the fact that we're this curious about someone who, he, like he said, he's just an analyst, you know, like this guy has grown to be such a crucial part of this and his back and forth with Loki uh, in episodes one and two of this season are, I think, uh, arguably even better than season one. Like it, yeah, he sure. has, he's hilarious. And yeah. uh, <laughs> the, the skin question mark in the last episode where he's <laughs> just contemplating with whether or not he wants to risk losing his skin to save Loki. Um, He's, I, I love his presence in this show. And yes, I, I think you might be onto something. He, he definitely seems avoidant, like, like, almost too avoidant like he does know what's waiting for him and he doesn't want to confront it you know and it i i I can't imagine why but uh man if he wants to ride a jet ski that bad you think he would go do it i i would assume and i'm shocked they don't have jet skis in the tva just considering so much you know at least he's got all that on there yeah, all that pie and <laughs> retro aesthetics for days. I could mean, you imagine sitting in a room just surrounded with cabinets full of pie and you could just go grab one at any time? That would be crazy. I'd never leave. I mean, it would be dangerous, I would never leave. though. It would be very dangerous. <laughs> More dangerous than the Absolutely. bombing of the sacred timeline, for sure. Yeah. And as we come to our final segment, uh, JRB, which is variant of the week which you know yeah. obviously it's like kind of our mvp of the week until we get more variants popping up in the episode and after this segment i'll actually ask you your predictions for next week but before that i want to ask you well who's your variant of the week who's who's your mvp of loki episode two uh my mvp of loki episode two is loki um fit i feel like he really showed that he can still bring the heat in this episode and um, that one scene, the the beginning of the interrogation of uh, Brad, Bradley, um, <laughs> it felt somewhat deflating. And I, I turned to my wife and I said, like, oh, that was kind of that, that was kind of lackluster. But then, you know, Loki came back and really owned the moment. And um, even, you know, at the, the beginning of the episode with the shadow minions and the, the illusions and even faking Mobius out, um, I feel like this episode really had that that undertone of you know loki really is this badass that you that you know we don't showcase a lot of his power because this is more about using his mind but he can still use that power when he needs to and uh i i thought all throughout the episode all the way up to when he combined his power with with sylvie um he he's the mvp for me that's a great choice obviously you know because the show is named after him so i mean you know <laughs> right. he had to uh, yeah it's pretty fitting he, he had to have a mvp performance at some point you know what i mean right. like the show's to, doing his job honestly yeah he had to come you know out of the shadows a bit and start you know reminding uh... the people who he is you know, <laughs> kind of have to deliver that but uh, my my pick, you know, I've been singing his praises all episode. I'm going Mobius, you know, mm. it's just strictly because I want to know what Worthy you did. Inclusion. On this, you know, what did he do on the sacred timeline? But also because he's just the funniest person on the show. I mean, even when he was bantering with X5 or Brad, Brad, the movie star, when he was <laughs> um, bantering with them at the McDonald's. I mean, it's just such good stuff. I mean, yeah, you just he's can't. Great. He's such you're you're right. Like if we get to see Owen Wilson in Deadpool three, it's going to be magical. 
I mean, it's mm-hmm. just going to be like an all-time moment for MCU fans. So, yeah, he's my MVP uh, this weekend. He's my standout of this uh, series so far besides um, Ouroboros, uh, Kihu Kwan. I think those two are really elevating everything. And I'm just very curious to see where we go from here to see yes. some of the character progression. I'm loving the questions that we have so far. Because uh, there's a fine line between, you know, intriguing and irritating. And I think this show has done a really good job of keeping the intrigue while, you know, still giving us those little payoffs as we go. Because like the the reveal of the tempad at the end of the the episode is huge. Like uh, that that's that adds a lot more implication to her character. So like even though we still don't know a ton about where he who remains is, you know, lying around right now. Yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, the intrigue is still at a very high level. A hundred percent. The intrigue is still off the charts. And I feel like a testament to Loki is that, you know, we end these episodes and then we immediately go into these recording sessions and Loki right now for me is the rare show where I'll watch the episode and I'll be like, "Ah, I don't know if I like that. You know, I didn't know if I liked the entire thing or like the entire Mm. thing. You know what I mean? Like I liked a lot of it, but like there's parts of me where it's like, I'm not this overwhelming, like, like oh man my mind's blown you know like this was Mm -hmm. awesome type where but like once i start talking about it it's like one of those shows where it's like once i start unraveling it a bit and once i start talking about loki with you and stuff and like the other guests i start to really like vibe with it and enjoy it and i don't know why that's you know what it is i yeah I, I think it is the discussion that it generates. I think yeah. we miss that as fans is that a lot of the recent stuff, there's just not a lot about it to talk about. Like with shows like Miss Marvel, for instance, really well done, but like it's also really contained and it didn't totally create that conversation that Loki creates, you know, because I feel like Loki just does a better job at honoring what it comes from. And, you know, there's still that MCU familiarity with with Loki, who's been around since, you know, the fourth movie in in this entire uh, franchise, you know? So, I mean, I, I think that has a lot to do with it, is that this still feels like an MCU mainstay, because he is. And, you know, with a lot of this new stuff, they're kind of just expecting us to latch on when, you know, really what we're passionate about is the stuff that we've spent so much time with. I think that's also a good point, I think. And I think that's something like to just tie our entire conversation together. That's something with their recent changes for their overhauling Daredevil Born again. And they're basically restructuring their television division to be more television focused TV execs. Mm -hmm. They're not going to split focus with film. It's all good changes. Everything's positive. They're going to actually have pilots and showrunners and they're not going to just go film six episodes at 150 million dollars and just hope for the best and fix it in post right i mean but i think the point you just said right there is i do think they need to focus on what the fans want and i think with the disney plus era they did just kind of drop you into things and expect that you to latch on and care like I liked I liked Miss Marvel, but like when you think about it, that was very dropping you into a world that's very kind mm-hmm. of un I would say unfamiliar. There was still MCU stuff in it, but like still just very different. 
And then She-Hulk, I would say, even with Bruce Banner and some of the MCU people in it, still felt very different. Felt, you know, at times just not as MCU-like. And then Moon Knight as a character, too, that show, I think. You know, there was just a mm -hmm. lot of Werewolf by Night as a special. I think yeah, the Disney of Plus era, they have really, they threw stuff into, yeah. they just threw stuff and expected people to latch on. where. That first year of Disney Plus, where it was WandaVision, Hawkeye, Loki, and Falcon in the Winter Soldier, you had all post-Endgame stories. So there was this natural kind of like, ooh, okay, post-Blit, post, you know, right. let's just keep watching. This is like kind of continuing our post-Endgame. Exactly. Yeah. So it was easy for them. But then when 2022 came around, it was hard for them to really kind of give reasons to care about some of these characters just on their own. So I'm very mm -hmm. curious with their television strategy in the future, like something with like Daredevil and uh, other shows, like what characters will they pick? How will they focus on it? Will it be part of the universe? Like how, how will they make this work? I think that's going to be my it, biggest question. Same. Yeah. I, I think they are giving it a lot of attention. I think we are feeling that already with how this show is. I, I know the first season, the first season was so well thought out and and so meticulously done that, you know, you could tell there was a lot of passion and a lot of thought behind it. And I do feel this way about this season too. Um, and I, I, I'm hoping that the rest of the, you know, Disney plus slate will kind of follow suit because this is a great example to follow. Um, I, I know we keep talking about the daredevil news, but with the overhaul that they're bringing, you know, that, one of the main criticisms that Kevin Feige and and the you know the studio had was that this Daredevil Born Again series didn't feel like it reflected or kind of respected what the three seasons of Daredevil was on Netflix. And I think he said something like, you know, Matt Murdock wouldn't even have been in his Daredevil suit until like episode four. That sounds a lot like She-Hulk to me, where we're expecting one thing and they're focusing on something else entirely and not focusing on what the fans want to see from these projects, you know? So like, for sure. But when you're talking about what the fans want, this Loki show is a great sign that they are listening because I, I feel like with the way that it's structured and with the way that they're telling these stories, they're not just trying to make it another mini series. They really are trying to tell it as more of a television story where you're excited to tune in every week to see something new, something different, but also to get that resolve and that follow-up on the story that you've been following. A hundred percent. And for all those Daredevil fans that were worried they weren't going to see Matt Murdock in the suit till episode four, just wait until they watch Smallville, you know? <laughs> oh you know? man, any of those CW shows. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I'm, I mean, probably that excluding one, The Flash. Uh, I mean, Smallville... It felt like you were waiting forever. Ten seasons, I would say. You know, yeah. it's it's a yeah. A fantastic Makes you question: show, Was it worth it? <laughs> it was a fantastic show, though. I mean, right? I, I love that show, um, and I think they're. I think the MCU's TV future is looking bright now. I think they that they're willing to address some of these changes. And I really, I've said this in the past on this podcast: if they just focused on like two shows a year and just really like nailed them within the universe, mm -hmm. I think there would be such a different, you know, vibe, like, like not like, like, don't worry about getting us like 
don't be like so concerned about like oh we need Ironheart, Echo, Wonder Man, Agatha. Like don't worry about that. Don't worry about that limited series stuff. Like if we just went like Daredevil, Loki. Like let's do an example: Daredevil and Loki in twenty twenty five. But then in twenty twenty six, it's like a revamped Miss Marvel and a revamped She Hulk. I'm just giving examples, obviously. Sure. It's like yeah. you know. Like, I think that would be good. Like, I think that would be good, good where it's like you're kind of like alternating years. You're focusing on like characters and like you're focusing on that like kind of character development. Totally. You know, I think right now they're, I think there was, they were just so focused on just trying to get so many different shows out, constant limited series format that it was just not clicking. Not at all. No, it, it Disney Plus has felt like such a revolving door for the Marvel content where, you know, they stay for a minute and then it's on to the next thing. And if you're going to call it a season of television, television, then commit to it and make it a season's worth of television. Put the time and the money into it. Make it anywhere from 12 to 20 episodes and really commit to a story in that format and make something great out of it. You see Marvel shows like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and and uh, like it, even Agent Carter or, you know, the Netflix series like yeah. Daredevil and Punisher, multi-season stories that went, you know, anywhere from 10, 15, 20 episodes a season. And they told really good quality stories and it and they took the time to do it. And I know Marvel wants to expand the universe and, and introduce all these characters. But if they can condense it to a few, fewer properties, they can still introduce the same amount of characters they want to introduce. You know, yeah. some of these origin stories that they're telling don't need their own series to begin with. Um, and and some of them percent. coming up, I some of them coming up, I even think like, why are we doing this? Me too. Um, yeah, please I've don't seen... take please don't take away the Agatha Agatha series. I I really I need that. Um yeah. <laughs> we we need that. That's gonna be yeah. amazing. Um <laughs> but I I I really like that. I I like your idea of you know just doing a couple shows a year. You know, making it a, a couple months worth of television, you know, and really dive deep into some of these stories you want to tell, because that's where the MCU was so good is the storytelling of these characters. It wasn't about all these different superpowers. It was about the human element and the, and the story behind it that really made it resonate with the fans, you know, and if they can if they can keep doing that, I, I, I think they'd be much better off. Yeah. And I think my my, my final point on this, too, is I think even if they go as bold as you know you just do one mcu proper series a year where it's like let's say you just do a daredevil but then your secondary series maybe it's a prequel series with a young hank pym young janet van dyne young agent carter young howard stark and you do the kind of like a prequel series that is kind of like in the mcu but mcu adjacent like and then it's not like you're worried about the timelines or how is this going to tie into that and stuff like that. I think they sort of like a what if thing. Yeah. Like almost like a what if thing. And then, or like you can do an MCU TV series where it's like, just like, you know, like the average people in the MCU and like the news of like, how do these people react when the guy at the Eternals shows up? You know, it's like, I really want that. The human perspective is like, Something that I think the MCU is totally lacking right now. And I think if they didn't like re if they didn't uh reimagine the Daily Bugle to be like a fringe website, my <laughs> pitch would have been like you do a Daily Bugle series set in New York and then you Ooh. just kind of like you 
kind of daily planet smallville it in a way where you just kind of yeah you know, peter parker doesn't even have to be in it like you just kind of you know there's so much always happening in mcu that New could York. be how we meet eddie brock yeah i exactly. mean that you could just yeah like go for fun you know that that would be fun is to have like you know kind of that that boots on the ground type of perspective where you have someone like a reporter that can be on the scene live, but not a part of the action. You know, they're just witnessing it and, yeah. and reporting on it. That would be really cool. Yeah. And it's like, you have the animation shows too. I mean, like they do have a lot of avenues they can go down. So I'm curious to see what they end up doing. Obviously though, they have some shows they have to get through. I mean, they still have shows that they filmed, which I think people get through. Yeah. Yeah. That like, I, I hate saying like get through, but I think people no, are but expecting, I, you know, you, if you think of like yeah. Echo, I mean, what well, are we expecting from that show? Well, nothing. N no one's expecting anything from Echo because if you can tell, if you can read between the lines, I mean, th they were going to drop all the episodes at once. I mean, right. what does that tell you? They've never done that. And they were going to drop them right. all at once. Was that was also, like releasing a movie in theaters while also releasing it on streaming same day. You just exactly. have like no confidence it, it in was, it. it. It's a sacrifice play. And also, I hate saying it, they greenlit Echo at the height of the streaming era boom where they were greenlighting. Where they were saying yes to everything. Thing. Yes. And they were like, oh, it's a spinoff of Hawkeye. It's Echo. And there might be Daredevil in it. Like it was just kind of <laughs> like, you know, that was kind of the pitch. And, you know, it's now we're in the post, you know, MCU has the universe gone too large. And you look at a title like that and you're kind of like, there was no way that was in like the plans until, you know, whether it was Disney and JPEG or, you know, just Marvel's own wanting to just. Yeah. No, you don't announce possible. a spinoff before the show that she debuts and comes out. Exactly. That, that was, that was greenlit before. Yeah. That was, I forgot that was greenlit before she even appeared on screen. I mean, yeah, that was ridiculous. Like at least with Agatha, they waited to see if she was going to be like a like star <laughs> and like some of these right. other ones, like they, you know, WandaVision became. That's the, like that's exactly what hit. we're talking about. The Disney plus effect, how like when they started with WandaVision, they're like, oh, you like Agatha? Oh, well, let's do Agatha series. Yeah, we love that. Yeah. And they got to a point where they're like, oh, well, you're going to love Echo. So like, we're going to do an Echo series too, but trust me, you'll love her. And it's like, it, you haven't even given us a chance to know this character before you're committing and doing like a full send on Disney plus for this, this, this hero that, that no one knew before the show and they didn't do a very good job of introducing in the show. It's yeah. like, I, if there's, there, there's almost no hype around her and I feel like it's their own doing, you know, like that, that, it, yeah, they they made they made their own bed in that situation. They did. And I think that's why they are going to just, you know, send it off in January. I mean, they're going to just, they're, they are going to, if they're smart, they just kind of, you know, releasing all the episodes at once for that one. I'm actually kind of excited for it because, you know, I want to watch all the episodes and then just record one podcast on it. Like I don't <laughs> want to have to do weekly episodes on it. Like oh, I man. hate saying that, but yeah, uh, man. Loki episode two, we're not excited for Echo. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, if people are, you know, people listening towards the end of this are probably like, what the heck did Zach and JRB get on? And it's like, yeah, 
it's MCU talk. That's what happens. But JRB, I think I think we've came to the end of this pod. <laughs> I mean, obviously we could have rehashed more Loki or rehashed, you know, Marvel's new TV strategy. Uh, but I, I think we, we've reached the end of the pod. But before we go, for everyone listening to the podcast right now, where can they follow you on social media? Uh, you can follow me on, well, I don't know what to call this app anymore. I call it Twitter, but apparently it's called X now. Um, you can find me at JRB underscore direct. Um, I'm also on Instagram, but like my bio says, I really just use that app for uh, dog videos. Um, so uh, Twitter's kind of, where I live when I want to be on the internet. For sure. Yeah. Twitter. Oh, and Letterboxd. You talked about it earlier. Letterboxd. I Letterboxd. Mean, that's, same handle? That's where I, yeah. Yeah. JRB underscore direct. That's okay. where I really shine. That's awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. I can't thank you enough for being on. Of course. Yeah. I'm always happy to join. I, uh, this show especially is so fun to talk about. Uh, so thanks so much for having me. Of course. Thanks for Any, thinking of me. Yeah, of course. Anytime. <laughs> And we are back for another season. Your support means the world if you're listening to this pod. And if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with a few friends as it really helps us out. And if you want a more stylish way of supporting us, go visit BoardwalkTimes.store. And a little scoop for everyone listening right now, we do have a low-key design on the way coming to the store. So hopefully, you know, if you're listening to this and you like low-key, that you'll like our low key design and you'll, you'll, you know, grab the shirt once it's available. Let's go. Yeah, I know. It's exciting. Multiverse of Marvel has more episodes on the way for the rest of 2023. We have some very exciting bonus episodes in the works that include more previews, rankings, drafts, deep dives, and more. We also have a special episode coming up for the Marvels. And for more Marvel content, head over to BoardWalkTimes.net or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BoardWalkTimes. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review.